Hey guys, welcome to another Bankless episode. This is State of the Nation. Uh, it's myself, Ryan, Sean Adams. Also have David Hoffman here. I think David is dealing with some things today. David, uh, how are you doing today? You, you okay? We got some, some uh, funny little issues going around in the uh, DJing side of this show. So you hear the fire alarm in the background as well as some camera issues. So Ryan is going to be the, uh, the face of the show today. So deeply, deep apologies about that. Ryan, take it away. Yeah. All right. I am the face of the show. Uh, David will have to fill you in on everything that's going on his life at another date. Uh, but we're super excited about our guest today. We've got Robert Leshner here from Compound. Uh, and we're talking about Compound Treasury. And this is really exciting because Compound has just released our institutional product. And so this has been a, kind of a theme I think we've seen in DeFi, which is the institutionalization of DeFi. Are the institutions coming? Yes. And maybe they're coming to DeFi this time. So really excited to dig into that conversation. Uh, as far as announcements go, have some really cool stuff going on in the Bankless Nation. Our Memetics podcast came out on Monday. Mimetic desire, that is. And this is kind of a, a hidden force behind almost everything that we see in crypto. So that is super exciting. Make sure you catch that. Just came out yesterday. We are also talking a lot about Kyber. Um, Kyber has just released their dynamic automated market maker, which is super cool in and of itself. But they also have a liquidity mining uh, program going on called Rainmaker. They're giving away 25 million in rewards. That's 25 million over the next three months. What's cool is that's happening both on the Ethereum mainnet. It's also happening in the Polygon network. So you've got some layer one uh, mining and some layer two mining going on. So you can earn KNC. You can also earn Matic rewards. Check that out. There is a link in the show notes. I'm going to see if David's alarm is off. If he's able to tell us, <laughs> what is the state of the nation today, sir? The state of the nation today is growing the mullet. The DeFi mullet is a, a, a bankless favorite for, for metaphors, as far as metaphors go. And uh, we have some pretty uh, astounding announcements, I would say, out of uh, the, the DeFi ecosystem in the last week. One of which we are talking to Robert Leshner today, uh, it, which is the compound treasury. And the tr compound treasury, to me, feels like the growing of the DeFi mullet. Uh, it is where we can have FinTech or CeFi in the front, but DeFi in the back, the way that DeFi has been meant to be used this entire time. So today, Ryan, the state of the nation is growing the mullet. We're growing the mullet. You know, during COVID, I actually wanted to grow out a mullet, but then I realized it was actually going to be uh, much longer of an endeavor that, and than I originally anticipated. So I decided to not do that. Hey, there's still time. You don't have to not do that, David, just because COVID's over. I mean, you can grow that mullet. It's it's uh, D5 mullet season, so maybe you should. Um, you know what's cool is Hester Purse actually mentioned the D5 mullet when we had her on the podcast. Like She had listened to, to uh, Bankless and had adopted this term into one of her speeches. So it is saturating and I think is, is finally starting to come to fruition. We're going to talk all about that with Robert. But before we introduce Robert and bring him on and get into the discussion, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. The Aave protocol is a decentralized liquidity protocol on Ethereum, which allows users to supply and borrow certain crypto assets. Aave version 2 has a ton of cool features that makes using the Aave protocol even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi money Legos, yield, and composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can supply to the protocol in order to gain yield, 
And all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have supplied collateral. One of my favorite Aave features is the ability to select a stable interest rate. Once I've selected a stable interest rate, I'm protected against any interest rate volatility that may happen in DeFi and allows me to plan my DeFi finances for the long term. V2 also features the ability for users to swap collateral without having to withdraw your assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. With Aave, users can do this in one seamless transaction, saving you time and gas costs. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. Balancer is a powerful platform for flexible automated market makers. Typical AMMs just have two tokens inside of one liquidity pool, which can lead to fractured liquidity across the many pairs in DeFi. With Balancer, you can access the full power of multiple tokens inside of one single AMM, which unlocks an entirely new playing field of possibility. This makes Balancer an awesome building block for so many different use cases. Balancer pools can make asset indices, but instead of paying fees to portfolio managers, Balancer lets you collect the fees from traders who use your portfolio for liquidity. Additionally, Balancer smart pools can be programmed to have properties that change according to predetermined rules, such as changing the swap fees based on market conditions, or even, or even liquidity bootstrapping pools, which can help you launch and distribute your token with day one liquidity. At Bankless, we use a liquidity bootstrapping pool to sell our BAP t-shirts to much success. V2 brings powerful new features that makes your money work even harder for you. In V2, idle tokens are capable of generating yield in DeFi without sacrificing liquidity in the pool using asset managers. Balancer's vault architecture lets you trade between balancer pools at a fraction of the cost versus other platforms. And you can even take advantage of dynamic fees, which automatically adapt to changing market conditions. Balancer's mission is to become the primary source of liquidity in DeFi by providing the most flexible and powerful platform for asset management and decentralized exchange. Dive into the balancer pools at app.balancer.fi. All right, guys, we are back with Robert Leshner, our guest. He is a self-described DeFi maximalist. He's the founder of the Compound Protocol, maybe the founder of modern farming, modern agriculture in DeFi, possibly. He's been a previous podcast guest, but it's been a long time, way back. Got to go way back, like a year and a half, episode 11 to catch that. Robert, it is great to have you on Bankless again. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Ryan. David, thanks for having me. Man, it's been a long time and you guys have been busy, 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 busy. And we want to talk about Compound Treasury first. I'm going to read out the announcement tweet or one of the announcement tweets um, about this new product. This is a product from the Compound Protocol. Treasury accounts convert your US dollars to USDC. We know USDC, a digital dollar stablecoin and supplies them to the Compound Pro Protocol to generate secure high yield interest. What does this do? It enables institutions to access crypto interest rates while abstracting away operational complexities, including cybersecurity, compliance, private key management, fiat to crypto conversion, and interest rate volatility. Sounds like you guys are trying to abstract all of that hard UX DeFi stuff uh, and bring this to the market. So Robert, I'm curious, let's start here. Could you tell us in your own words, what is this new compound treasury offering and uh, what does it bring to DeFi? Yeah, absolutely. So. Compound Treasury is a new business um, created by Compound Labs um, to serve institutional customers and provide an incredibly simple service, which is the interest rates from the Compound Protocol and DeFi without any of the complexity. And I think it's one example of what's going to be a trend of hundreds of new businesses being formed to um, 
serve as bridges between institutional customers and DeFi protocols. And so Compound Treasury is a new standalone business. And what it does is it abstracts all of the risk and complexity away from a protocol and replaces it with a simple process that institutions already understand, which is dollars in, dollars out, without having to touch crypto, hold crypto, interact with smart contracts, understand smart contracts, or you know, interact with the existing um, interface of the protocol. So very simple dollar in, dollar out product. Now, the really interesting things about this are that you know, one is um, the product actually standardizes the interest rates of the protocol. So there's a fixed interest rate as opposed to the you know, block by block um, floating interest rate of the compound protocol. Instead, there's a fixed interest rate, which is offered to customers. And um, there's, instead of having instant liquidity, which is something that you have when you interact with the compound protocol directly, there's daily liquidity. So there's this ability to um, process um, transactions within a traditional banking uh, life cycle, which is daily settlement. And so it's kind of cool. Like you guys are like smoothing out some of the rough edges of DeFi for institutions, it feels like. So instead of a variable block by block rate, we have kind of a daily rate, you know, doing some of that work. Exactly. It's trying to put things in the terms and structure that institutions already know and understand. So they are used to dollars. They're used to daily settlement. Um, They actually don't expect, you know, block by block settlement. Um, And so, you know, we think it's a great product that, you know, gives institutions what they want. Robert, there are a ton of moving parts that it takes to make the compound treasury. And I want to go through all of them. But but first, I'm really curious as to the relationship between the compound treasury and the compound protocol. It, it, what's, what's the overlap there? Are these two completely separate entities or are there overlapping employees, overlapping legal structures? Tell us that story. Yeah, that's a great question. So the compound protocol is a decentralized protocol that's governed by the community of comp token holders. Um, it was originally built by Compound Labs, and that's the company that I work for. And at this point, Labs is just one of many organizations that are developing for the protocol, on top of the protocol, adjacent to it. You know, un, you know, um, we're basically a non-privileged member of the community at this point. So. Anybody out there could build a product like Compound Treasury. We're not special in any way for doing this. We just happen to understand that there's a great opportunity to help bring a DeFi application to a much larger audience. Um, and so, you know, at Compound Labs, we don't, you know, manage the protocol anymore. It's really autonomous and resilient and self-sustaining. What we're doing now is looking to build new tools for the Compound ecosystem. So there's two tools that we're focused on. One is called Gateway, and it's a cross-chain bridge to bring more assets from outside of Ethereum into the protocol. And the second is Treasury, which is um, facilitating institutions to be able to access the protocol more easily. Um, In the case of Treasury, this is actually going to be something that drives revenue for Compound Labs and creates you know, uh, long-term sustainability for the company that originally built Compound because we actually don't derive any revenue or profit from the protocol whatsoever. Um, You know, we're basically building a for-profit product on top of an open source free, you know, protocol underneath. So I, I know the, the subject of today's conversation is all about compound treasury, but I, I'm curious, Robert, about uh, compound gateway. Is that the same thing as, as kind of the compound chain that we've heard a lot about? Yeah, absolutely. So the original um, white paper for this idea was referred to as a compound chain. Um, when we started building the product, you know, we 
uh, decided to name it gateway because we actually saw it as sort of like this gateway um, for assets to move between Ethereum and not Ethereum and the compound protocol and assets from other blockchains. And so, yes, it refers to what was originally the compound chain white paper. Robert, you talked about how Compound Labs is a non-privileged member of the Compound Protocol, uh, alluding to how like you are the Compound Labs team is just one of the many users of the Compound Protocol. Is that also true for Compound Treasury? Would you also describe Compound Treasury as a non-privileged user of the Compound Protocol? It is exactly. So, you know, Compound Treasury, you know, gets to interact with the protocol on exactly the same terms as every other user. Um, and I think this is actually, you know, really important for what I see as the future of finance, which is there's no special rights um, for any one user. You know, we're, we happen to be the ones building and launching Compound Treasury. Um, you know, anybody else could, any fintech could say, hey, there's a big opportunity here um, and interact with the protocol on the same terms. Um, and without any, you know, privilege. And this is what differentiates, you know, what I would call mullet DeFi from traditional fintech, which is, you know, traditional fintech businesses, there actually is a lot of privileged access. There's a lot of, you know, moats that are deliberate. Um, there's a lot of, you know, special relationships. That's not the case with um, DeFi in this sense. And so, you know, we think that that's going to lead to more innovation and better products long-term, knowing that, you know, compound treasury gets the same rates the same parameters and the same you know access as any application that anyone on earth can build i love that open finance at its heart is a credibly neutral financial system for the world that's super cool robert i i'm curious because people always like to bucket things right and there are these existing buckets in the financial world of fintech there's banking there's crypto and traditionally those have been sort of separate things that are on their own journey i guess maybe fintech and banking kind of have some intersection but like what sector does this belong to? Is it crypto? Is it fintech? Is it banking? Like, how should we think about this? Yeah, I mean, so my vision of the sort of future of financial markets is that you're going to have DeFi protocols and DeFi markets that are the sort of bedrock of everything. And eventually, there's going to be lots of, of applications and products built on top of this. You know, in a, in a way, I think, you know, the customers of these markets are going to be other institutions, whether they're crypto exchanges or crypto banks, um, as you refer to them, or custodians, or even traditional banks, you're going to have all of these different, you know, entities accessing these markets, you know, building the interest rates or the trading facilities into their own customer experiences. But the stack is going to look like DeFi on the bottom, and, you know, customer facing businesses on top. And I think it's a really powerful structure because you can have markets that are global, that get combined into other applications and tools in interesting ways that everything is running on chain um, at the heart of it. So all transactions are auditable. Um, the health of these markets can be inspected in real time. And it just builds a much better back end to financial services um, than anything that can be built you know, traditionally. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's crypto at the heart. I think it's Ethereum and DeFi at the heart. And on top of it is um, what people are used to in terms of like traditional products, where they interact with them using the tools they know, like dollars. So, so Robert, we're, we're going to get into more definition of compound treasury, but like, I'm really struck by sort of the, the definition that you just gave with sort of DeFi at the base layer. I'm wondering if you could help illustrate this with some real world examples, maybe using compound treasury. So one thing I noticed, by the way, was the same week compound offered a 4% yield, um, Coinbase offered a 4% yield account. Now, I 
Don't know that these two things are related. Could have just been a good week to offer 4% yield accounts. But in my mind, I, I could envision a crypto bank, a Coinbase exchange, tapping into Compound Treasury or the Compound Protocol to offer that. Um, you also have, I, I, I saw a tweet from Current Bank, maybe, and they say they're not a bank. And this is some kind of a, a fintech. I haven't gone deep into what Current is, but they are tapping into the base layer DeFi compound as a protocol to offer a better money market saving style account, high yield interest rate to their customers, directly to their customers, 4% yield interest rates. I'm wondering if you could give some early examples of where you're seeing this DeFi mullet thesis play out. Yeah. I think that those are great observations. So I think we're very early in, you know, seeing how this plays out. Um, there have been examples of like exchanges offering, you know, the interest rates from DeFi to their users, but it was more of like a pass-through basis. They were basically just saying like, we're going to basically serve as a, you know, a tool to access these markets. I know Binance did this, a few exchanges have offered um, the underlying interest rates. Um, I think, you know, what you're seeing with like Coinbase, with Current, these are early examples and proofs of concept. Um, you know, which markets they use, how they use them, you know, the long-term interactions are still being worked out. But I think long-term, um, you're starting to see the very first example of, you know, customers indirectly accessing DeFi um, without using smart contracts themselves and without interacting with the blockchain themselves or custodying their crypto in their own personal wallet themselves. Um, and it's really exciting. I mean, the trend over time is going to be, you know, these financial markets get abstracted away um, to make it as simple of an experience for customers as possible. And making it a simple experiment experience is, it seems to be kind of the Compound Treasury's core purpose, I would say. Uh, we all know how to use DeFi. We're DeFi natives. We all have our own private keys. But that is over the hump. And there's a lot of customers out there who are not over the hump. And that seems to be what Compound Treasury is really going after. Except there seems to be so many moving parts that's required to get there, right? Because you have you have to have banking because you need to take in deposits. You have to have custody because you have to custody private keys. Uh, there's compliance with auditing and reporting. And then there's as, uh, even customer management. How, how is uh, Compound Treasury managing all of these things? Like who's doing all of these things? Is this just a, a brand new startup that is kind of solving each of one of these problems individually? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's, there is a brand new startup, but it's not solving all of these pieces. So um, a core part of Compound Treasury is a partnership between Compound Labs and Fireblocks, which is, and Fireblocks, um, you know, does um, MPC wallet, um, you know, transmission of funds and custody. And for years, has actually offered a Compound integration to their customers. Um, and we're basically I think of them as like a BitGo ish, but they're a bit more DeFi friendly and advanced, possibly. Yeah, exactly. It's, imagine if BitGo were extremely DeFi friendly and almost DeFi native. Um, in um, and so, you know, we're basically um, partnered with them very closely on this uh, initiative. And so they're the ones that um, actually have, you know, um, you know, regulatory licensing, and they're basically the ones handling the customer funds and moving them into the protocol. And we're providing, you know, a user experience wrapper around all of that. So that to an end customer, you know, all they know is, you know, here's how it works. This is how the flow of funds occurs. You know, they're opting into this process. Um, and the entire, you know, flow is actually being managed on the back end by Firefox. Okay, so let's talk about that 4% interest rate because um, I just checked my Wells account this morning. Robert, and uh, you'll be pleased to know this is thir still 30x 
what they offer <laughs> for a savings rate. And I know it's not quite the same as sort of a, uh, a savings account, doesn't have FDIC guarantees and that sort of thing, but 4% yield is hard to come by on uh, USDC and dollars in stable coins. So can you tell us where that yield is coming from? Because we kind of know the core is coming from compound uh, money markets, the protocol, but there seems to be like this, this fixed rate that's being provided that is above and beyond what compound the protocol is providing. Uh, and it seems to be at times a higher rate than compound natively provides on USDC. So where's this yield coming from? Yeah, that's a great question. So. Right now as a user, you know, if you wanted to use the USDC market and compound right this second, um, the all-in you know, net interest rate compound USD coin right now, you know, on Thursday afternoon is 4.13%. And um, this is a combination of the natural USDC coin interest rate and the comp uh, distribution to users. This 4% number is pretty much the low end of what we've seen over the past few years. Um, you know, in general, one of the things that we've seen is that the median across market cycles and across, you know, different interest rate, you know, um, periods of time, you know, is much higher. And it's actually in the 8% range or so. And so what Compound Treasury is doing is it's saying, okay, looking at all of the different range of financial outcomes, you know, what do we expect you know, on a long-term time horizon, the protocol to offer to its users. Right now it's 4.13%. You know, last week it might've been 3.3%. You know, next week it could be 7%. Um, it's variable and it's floating. And it changes actually every Ethereum block, you know, in very minuscule ways, but every block it, you know, um, updates in a dynamic fashion. And so what Compound Treasury is doing is it's offering a fixed interest 4% and taking the um, and so, you know, if long-term, you know, the protocol is offering more than 4%, then compound treasury as a standalone business is profitable. And if long-term, the interest rates of the compound protocol are less than 4%, then it's subsidized by compound treasury. And in this way, it smooths out, you know, the interest rates that are offered by a variable interest rate protocol. So Robert, that goes over how Ethereum and Compound allows Compound Treasury to offer really high interest rates to its customers. But you, the on the Compound Treasury page, it offers it. Uh, it boasts two more properties that uh, as its competitive advantage, both on-demand liquidity and transparent reporting. And overall, how would you say that Ethereum helps Compound Treasury's product gain a competitive edge versus its as more traditional advantages? Where does Ethereum come in as as a key player in this story? That's a great, great question. And so the things that make Compound Treasury extremely attractive to institutions, which is having, you know, the ability to monitor um, the balances in real time and the ability to have pretty much constant liquidity comes from, you know, the benefits of Ethereum and the way that Compound works. So this goes for pretty much any DeFi application. And this is why I think, you know, the foundation is going to be DeFi. Um, you know, Compound, the protocol itself is open source, it's transparent, it's instant, and by instant, I mean 15 second Ethereum blocks, um, it's auditable, and, you know, it's programmatic. And, you know, you can build applications on top or businesses on top that, you know, can offer that or, you know, slightly worse parameters, but the foundation is extremely solid being DeFi. And so, Compound Treasury, because it's just built on, you know, the Compound Protocol gets to offer, you know, at a minimum, you know, what Compound offers. Now, 
when you start interacting with you know dollars in the real world, things might slow down into you know daily settlement. Um, but at the end of the day, you know the starting point is going to be you know the fast, transparent, you know accessible DeFi protocol underneath. Robert, I was just uh, the other day I was getting funds from a traditional investment vehicle I was a part of, and I had to speak to uh, real world bankers. Like there was a whole support team of people who were doing something as simple as giving me like some funds that I was owed. And I went through like multiple levels of support and it just struck me how, um, wow, banks are like filled with people, office, like buildings and offices full of people. And um, I, you know, I love kind of the difference between uh, the unit of the Coinbase to the um, to the Wells Fargo example, where you've got Coinbase, where you got Uniswap has got 15 employees. It takes Coinbase, you know, 1,500, 2,000 to do essentially some of the same things that Uniswap does. And then it takes Wells Fargo, another order of magnitude, like 50,000, 100,000 employees to do all of that. Um, is that what the play is here? Is, is DeFi all about a banking efficiency play? Are we essentially like automating is this is this software eating the world is this the story here once again and now it's coming to institutions yeah it's all of those things right um you know at the heart of it you know the human processes that you described are liabilities to the bank and to you right there's so much room for human error there's so much room for fraud there's so much room for mistakes to occur when there's that many people and steps along the way and the advantage of a financial market being built using smart contracts instead of all of the processes that exist at Wells Fargo means that, you know, it's autonomous and it's operating 24 seven. And if it's built correctly, it can run forever without flaw. And this is like the superpower of smart contracts in general, when it gets applied to finance, you know, you start to say like, wow, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, a protocol like Compound, you know, it can scale to 100 times the assets without anything changing, right? It can process 100 times as much, you know, assets without anything changing. Not a single more, single additional person is needed. In fact, no people are needed, right, at all for the daily operation of it. And that's really magical because it means that, you know, you're able to, you know, over time, you know, have complete confidence in a blockchain-based financial system to not mess up. If it works today on Tuesday, you know, you can be sure that's going to be working on Wednesday if nothing has changed. And, you know, it puts more of the burden of getting things um, correct up front. So when you're developing these systems, you have to develop them so that they can run forever. But once they're built and once they're operating successfully, you know, they can always operate without flaw and without error. And you contrast that to a bank, you know, that has thousands of employees and thousands of employees or thousands of opportunities to get things wrong. And you can see why DeFi is going to completely eat, you know, all of traditional finance. I'm reminded of a quote that we read from Vitalik on the Bankless Weekly Rollup last Friday, where he talked about how Ethereum is actually destined to uh, remove a lot of just the middle management and CEOs or just, you know, bureaucracy out of organizations and, and make organizations more lean with people more on the periphery than rather at the center where there's supposed to be code in the center, 
so I just want to hammer on this point just a, li a little bit more before we move on. Robert, do you have any like napkin math about like how much does it cost to operate compound treasury or how many more uh, times more efficient uh, does compound treasury can achieve the same goals versus legacy counterparts? Is there any sort of napkin math that you could share with us there? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you want to use napkin math, you know, you can start by looking at the compound protocol. You know, today there's, you know, approximately 11 and a half billion dollars of assets inside the protocol earning interest. This would make it in like the top hundred U.S. banks, right? The napkin math is, you know, on a daily basis, you know, there's zero people or, you know, corner brick and mortar locations necessary to operate compound. Um, if it were, you know, part of the existing financial system would probably have, you know, hundreds to thousands of employees. Um, and it wouldn't operate 24 seven. It would operate, you know, during daylight hours when those, you know, human employees can make it work. Um, and if I have to estimate the increase in efficiency, I would say it's, you know, three orders of magnitude more efficient um, than traditional financial entities. This is incredible. Already assets under management, closing in on the top 100 banks, zero people required to operate this thing. And it, and it operates forever, continuously, as long as Ethereum uh, is live and, and stays live. Uh, let's talk about this um, because we're really excited about new markets opening up and new users coming to DeFi and new capital flowing into DeFi. What type of customer does Compound Treasury and maybe even more broadly, this thing we're calling institutional DeFi, where we have you know uh, fintech in the front, DeFi in the, in the back. Uh, what kind of new market does this open up? Does this finally open up to some of the fintechs, like you know the the squares and the PayPal's of the world? Does it open us up to banks? Does it open us up to institutions? What do we mean when we say institutions? Talk about that for us. Yeah, it's a great question. So. You know, when I think really long term, you know, like 10, 20 years into the future, you know, DeFi is going to be at the heart of all of the markets and all of the customers. And it's going to look almost, you know, um, you know, retrospectively guaranteed that, of course, you know, like, you know, it's obvious that, you know, every bank, you know, and every, you know, institution in the world will eventually be interacting with, you know, decentralized financial markets when today it looks very early, but in 20 years, you know, I think every single institution is gonna access these markets because voluntarily not accessing these markets means that you're, you know, willfully cutting off access um, of your own to, you know, important tools. And I think eventually you're gonna have the largest, slowest, stodgiest institutions, you know, accessing these markets. But it starts with the, the smaller, the more nimble, um, the more forward-thinking institutions, and the ones that don't suffer from these like unbelievably long roadmaps, <laughs> where it takes you know a decade uh, to you know make a small change in the way their organization works. And so, eventually, everyone's going to be accessing DeFi. You know, today we're starting with you know we started with two years ago individuals, and even amongst the individuals using DeFi, I mean, it was a very small crowd of people that was even comfortable using a smart contract. Um, and that's grown rapidly. Now there's a huge audience of people that understand and are comfortable using smart contracts. And we're at this sort of stage right now where you have smaller, more nimble, more, you know, professional organizations and institutions accessing DeFi. You have hedge funds, you have trading firms, you have, you know, firms that, you know, don't have a lot of customers of their own so they can make decisions very rapidly accessing DeFi. And now we're starting to see in the era of like 
all of the exchanges and custodians, you know, accessing DeFi. Um, and, you know, these are starting to be larger organizations, but like crypto native, you know, larger players are becoming, you know, um, hooked on DeFi, right? And so I, I think it's going to be a while to be, you know, everybody accessing these markets. I think Compound Treasury, the goal is to really work with firms that don't yet want to become crypto native. Um, they want the economics of DeFi. They don't want private key custody and security. They don't want, you know, smart contracts complexity. They just want the economics. And so I think this is going to open it up to a large amount of smaller, you know, institutions, but I think the ball is going to, you know, tumble down the hill pretty quickly. And once large organizations see small organizations, you know, um, accessing better financial returns and building really nice products on top of it, I think you're going to start to see, you know, a little bit of envy from larger organizations over time. And eventually, you know, Wells Fargo is going to be using DeFi. Hey, look, look, this is, um, you're definitely speaking our language, Robert, as we say all the time, everything is going to be DeFi in the future. And when you hear what Robert just said, you realize just how early we still are, how much opportunity there still is to onboard the world into DeFi. Robert, we are going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about the institutions. We're going to talk about Compound Chain and finish with some of your thoughts on DeFi in 2021. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid die markets. Gemini just launched their Earn program, where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi, or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, Gemini Earn is the product for you. Another product I'm stoked to get my hands on is the Gemini Crypto Back Credit Card, which gives you 3% cash back on all of your purchases, but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset. When I get my Gemini credit card, I'm going to make sure that I get my cash back in ETH. So whenever I buy something, I get a little bit of ETH bonus back to me at the same time. 
You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at gemini.com slash go bankless. Hey guys, we are back with Robert Lushner. We are talking all about compound treasury, this thing we are calling the DeFi mullet. Let's let's start there. Uh, Robert, compound, as David said, is famous for kicking off DeFi summer. You guys started the whole uh, thing with the compound governance token, with comp liquidity mining. Um, now you are at the forefront of launching one of the first institutionally ready DeFi applications, but I have I have a feeling that this is uh, the sign of a, a bit of a bigger trend. Do you want to reflect on that? Do you think many DeFi protocols, all DeFi protocols, are going to follow Compound into the institutional space? And what does that even look like? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think first we have to appreciate that DeFi as an idea and as a phrase is only three years old. Um, you know, version one of Compound launched at the end of 2018, you know, Psy from MakerDAO, you know, launched that year. <laughs> I mean, DeFi itself is like incredibly early. And I think there's still a lot of experimentation that's occurring and needs to be encouraged with how these markets and products get built and how they get accessed and what gets built on top of them. So is this going to be a trend? Yes and no. So I think what's going to be a trend is you're going to have protocols that wind up getting, you know, institutional products built on top of them. I think that trend only goes in one direction. It's going to be more and more and more. I think in a lot of cases, it won't be, you know, um, because these are open systems, it might not be like a team building both a DeFi protocol and an institutional product on top. In a lot of ways, you know, I think the long-term trend is going to be, you know, people building an open protocol and other people coming in to build on ramps on top. They just have to see how it's done the first time. And in a lot of ways, what I hope we're able to do is launch a product the first time to serve as a playbook and a template for, you know, everybody else in the space to follow. Um, and so I think there might be this breaking of like a one-to-one -one relationship between, you know, building a protocol and an application on top of it. Um, I think it might look like, you know, people building just a protocol or just a business on top. But I think there's going to be more of these types of products um, that emerge where at the bottom, you know, or in the back, it's DeFi and upfront, it's a very simple experience. Robert, you know, the money Legos meme, it's something that we use frequently on the bankless world and all of DeFi about how these applications really just allow themselves to build on top of each other. My, my mental model for what's going on with compound treasury and the overall institutionalization of DeFi is, is there are some centralized teams building out centralized products using DeFi in the back end and they're exposing that money lego to the legacy world right to the legacy financial world and allowing the legacy financial world to build on top of the same money lego that we find in DeFi, but now it's going on in the old world does that metaphor or does that mental model resonate with you it does um you know we might have to add a new term to the mix Sure. of, you know, the Lego to make, you know, the other Legos more accessible, mm -hmm. but that's exactly what's happening. So there's uh, always right. been this meme uh, that about the institutions are coming. The institutions are coming. Uh, I always get this metaphor of, of Paul Revere, like riding on his horse going, the institutions are coming. Um, but this really seems to be that DeFi is actually making the move here. Like the institutions are actually staying where they always have been but it's DeFi that's taking the step towards institutions. Uh, 
again, does that metaphor reflect with you as well? It does. I mean, you're in like, this is a product that's trying to meet them on their own terms in the ways that they're already comfortable. So, you know, uh, fixed interest rates, daily liquidity, you know, facing, you know, a simple counterparty, um, you know, not having to learn new skills <laughs> um, at all. Um, but I, I agree with you. It's DeFi moving outwards as opposed to waiting for institutions to, you know, figure it out. And look, you know, it seems like it's going to draw them in is the yield. I mean, 4% yield on uh, stable coins, that's irresistible in free markets. The liquidity is always going to attract to the highest yield, low risk opportunities. Well, it's funny because we've been hearing for about 18 months or so from, you know, all types of potential users that they want to earn the interest rates from compound and they don't want to, or don't know how, or don't have the processes to actually use the protocol itself. Right. Like three years, years now. Um, the only reason why we created treasury is because, you know, this has been like this constant, like, you know, drumbeat that we've heard of, like, we really want the economics, but we don't want to touch like the smart contracts directly. Um, just yeah. because if you're a hundred person or a thousand person or a 10,000 person organization, like just setting up, you know, key management, you know, is oftentimes incredibly complex and the custodians are just starting to figure out how to offer DeFi experiences. And so, you know, having to launch a product for them was a way to, you know, reduce the amount of time before they became yeah. users. Our, our friend, uh, Jim Bianco, Robert, uh, you know, tells us that he, he gets texts all the time from, pe from people saying, I'm in Coinbase, but where's the DeFi button? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do next. Right. And that's yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Um, one last question on the institutions and then we'll get your thoughts on DeFi and we'll close it out. But so institutions first, let's talk about regulators. Does this start to get regulators a bit more comfortable with maybe what some of them are early to understand, uh, which is this kind of open finance DeFi movement, does this help in that regard? I think it does. And I think that, you know, it is a great embodiment of what I think, you know, the long-term market structure of DeFi is, where you have these open, transparent, autonomous, composable money Legos that are the foundation of everything. And access, you know, starts to be done by, you know, professional grade services on top um, where, you know, compound treasury, you know, yeah, it's working with a licensed partner and it's for a small number of, you know, customers that go through KYC AML that, you know, are accessing this in a very traditional fashion. And I think long-term what you're going to find is that, you know, this is a great market structure because it means that you can build the best possible financial market that's fair and open to everybody. And yet, you know, the primary users and on-ramps to it are going to be things like exchanges, right? They're going to be things like Coinbase, they'll have the DeFi button, you know, where, you know, regulators understand that, you know, the users that go through these easy button approaches are known and they're not, you know, doing bad things with it. Now, it's extremely hard to do bad things with DeFi in the first place. Um, like DeFi is like the absolute worst possible tool for like money laundering in a lot of ways, because like it's radically transparent and there's very few ways to like hide your trail. Um, but I do think that that's going to be the market structure is you're going to have like organizations and exchanges like Coinbase with DeFi easy button. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, like it's going to follow Bitcoin's market structure, right? People don't regulate Bitcoin. Right. But the, businesses that service the on-ramps to it, you know, wind up, you know, being compliant. And I think that's a pretty good market structure for everybody.
All right, Robert, let's, let's close with this. This has been super informative. Thanks for guiding us through this, but we want to hear, it's been about a year. We want to hear your final thoughts on DeFi in 2021. Give us some insight. What does DeFi need now? Where's the next inflection point going to come from? Just general thoughts on DeFi in 2021. So it's funny because I actually think in 2021, we're already far ahead of where I thought we would be for the year. Um, you know, like even crossing $50 billion in DeFi was like shocking to me. Um, I think what DeFi needs this year is, you know, one, you know, more tools for institutions to be able to access it. But I actually think that like, you know, improvements in the underlying blockchains themselves are going to make a big difference. So, you know, ironically, I think gas costs are some of the most important, um, you know, leading indicators for the usability of DeFi. And I actually think that, you know, if, you know, we're successful with, you know, 1559. And if, you know, the gas market on Ethereum improves, I actually think if DeFi is cheaper to interact with and more accessible to all, I actually think that that's what's sort of needed for the next major inflection point. Now that can occur through L2s. It can occur through side chains. It can occur through, you know, all of these different approaches, but, you know, making the cost of DeFi interactions going as low as possible, I think is the next major inflection point. Awesome. Robert, it has been an absolute... Thanks for joining us on Bankless. Thanks for having me. Guys, there we are. Robert Leshner, uh, we are on the precipice of, of DeFi Summer V2. Maybe that's Layer 2 Summer. Maybe that's the Summer of 59. That is EIP 59. We will see lots of bullish news ahead. Guys, remember, as always, ETH is risky. DeFi is risky. All of crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but thanks for joining us on the Bankless Journey.